Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather in your name this morning to sing of your goodness, to hear from your word, to be with your people, to celebrate your sacraments, to take part in your spirit. Be glorified in these things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please be seated. Well, again, I'd like to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. It's, uh, it's good. Some of you like to remind us as fathers that we are older. There's no need. It's your fault that we are older. It's Father's Day, but it's also Juneteenth. And you may or may not know what Juneteenth is. And you're about to find out. Juneteenth is short for June 19th. And it marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people are free. The troops' arrival came a full two and a half years after signing the Emancipation Proclamation. Juneteenth honors the end of slavery in the United States and is considered the longest-running African-American holiday. And last year, it became official as a federal holiday. Confederate General Robert E. Lee, he surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse two months earlier in Virginia. But slavery had remained relatively unaffected in Texas until U.S. General Gordon Granger stood on Texas soil and read the general orders number three. The people of Texas are informed that In accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. The Emancipation Proclamation was issued by President Abraham Lincoln January 1st, 1863, and it established that all slave people in the Confederate States in the rebellion against the Union shall be then, henceforth, and forever free. But in Texas, slavery had continued as the state experienced no large-scale fighting or significant presence of Union troops. Many enslavers from outside of Texas moved there so they could continue the practice. After the war came to a close in the spring of 1865, General Granger's arrival in Galveston signaled freedom for Texas's 250,000 enslaved people. And although emancipation didn't happen overnight for everyone, in some cases, enslavers withheld information until after the harvest. Celebrations broke out, and they broke out among the newly freed black people, and Juneteenth was born. That December, slavery in America was formally abolished with the adoption of the 13th Amendment. The following year, in 1865, freedmen in Texas organized the first of what became the annual celebration of Jubilee Day. Jubilee is Hebrew. It's tied to the freeing of debts. In the ensuing decades, Juneteenth commemorates features, musics, and barbecue, and prayers, and services. And as black people migrated from Texas to other parts of the country, Juneteenth traditionally spread. In, 1869, in, 18, I'm sorry, in 1979, Texas became the first state to make Juneteenth an official holiday, 
Several others followed suit over the years. In June 21, Congress passed the law, and it is now a federal holiday today, Juneteenth. Now you know. If you don't know, now you know. Thank you. The end of slavery in the United States was an important and long-awaited defeat of a sinful, reprehensible, and godless enterprise. It's worthy in every way of celebration to celebrate the end of slavery and also to have sober reflection. On one hand, we need to mourn the fact that it happened in the first place. And on the other hand, we need to celebrate the liberation of enslaved people. When Jesus was crucified, died, buried, and rose again, the bonds of sin, hell, and death were broken, ending the power and their power once and for all. That was the great emancipation. Under Jesus, humanity is freed in every way. For those of us who say yes to Jesus, we are freed from sin and death. We're no longer slaves to sin, impurity, and lawlessness, as Paul talks about in Romans 6. And in Galatians 5, Paul expands on this even further. He says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but faith working through love. You were running well. What hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. He further says, you were called to freedom. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Specifically, Paul is arguing about what it means to be a Christian and what the quote-unquote rules are. Some believe that you had to be circumcised to be a Christian. I don't have to go into the circumcision. I'm pretty sure you guys can look it up on the internet. Don't ask somebody else. Paul argues that the following the law is like being enslaved again to the law. And he says the only thing that matters is faith working through love. And then he goes on to talk about what this freedom is for. Our freedom in Christ is to live, isn't to live indulgent lives. Our freedom in Christ isn't to live indulgent lives becoming enslaved again to the flesh or to our pride. That's not what it's for. But we're freed to live in and by the Spirit of God. And it looks like lives of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. We're freed to represent the one who freed us. We're freed to live lives that aren't enslaved and pointing the way to freedom for those who are around us. But this rub isn't much different than what people experienced in 1863 through 1865. President Lincoln has made an announcement. Slaves under the control of the Confederacy are free. But it wasn't until two months after Lee surrendered at Appomattox that slaves in Texas received the news. 
There was a gap between the proclamation and the reality. There was a gap between the law, you're free, and how it was lived out. And things got incredibly messy. And hideous, hideous things happened as the U.S. tried to bring North and South together. But when I look on the landscape of Christianity, I see the same thing happening. I see the same thing. Christ has set us free, brothers and sisters. Christ has set us free. We're freed from sin. We're no longer slaves. We're freed to run in the fields of His grace and His mercy. We have every reason to rejoice and have peace and to love people like crazy because we're freed. The disconnect comes when God's people live like we're enslaved. Like the great emancipation never happened. Or we're unaware of it. And Christians who are freed are slaves in their sin and to their flesh or to their past or to their shame or to their guilt and live in bondage and fear, acting as if what God has done has not been enough. Brothers and sisters, all that you are looking for is found in Jesus Christ. It is already yours. Walk in it. You do not have to look any further than Jesus Christ for the freedom that you seek. Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and covers it. That's silly. A city set on a hill can't be hid. It's too bright. You're not freed to live lives of enslavement. The world is full of distrust and discouragement and discontent, forever trying to fill holes that it cannot fill, with promises that it can't keep. There'll never be enough money. There'll never be enough time. There's never going to be enough leisure. There's never going to be a big enough house. There's never going to be enough. We wind up forever chasing something that will never satisfy. Not enough water to quench thirst, enough food to satiate the hunger. The longing cannot be met in anything other than Jesus Christ. Your earthly father may not have been a good man. And maybe he wasn't that great. But here's what a loving father says to his creation. Come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. It's for you. It's for you. 
Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my steadfast, sure love for David. The gospel is for you. Come and buy what you can't afford. You have no money. It's okay. Christ has paid the price. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Why? So that God may have compassion on him. God's freed us. He doesn't want us to be enslaved. We run away, just like the prodigal, thinking that we'll find a life somewhere outside of God's created plan for us. And he says, come back. I have compassion for you. The compassion that you want, I have. Come back. Return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, why? For he will abundantly pardon. Even if you're a Christian and you've been freed and you are living in your sin and your slavery, come to God. He will pardon you. He will pardon you. God says, for my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the fields and all the trees clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. An an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Brothers and sisters, you are freed. You're freed to get that phone. (laughs) Feel free. Maybe that's Jesus saying, you're free. If you have found this morning, as I have been speaking, that you are living as a slave, remember the words of Jesus this morning. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. It is of the greatest labor and the heaviest yoke to try to find the grace and mercy and forgiveness in the world. You will never find it. He says, I will give you rest. Even if you know better, even if you know better and you've been walking away from Jesus Christ, he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I'm not going to turn my face from you ever, not once. Because he's meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Because he says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. It's Father's Day. And I think we need to celebrate the Father. 
I think we need to celebrate our fathers. God has done great, beautiful, and amazing things for us. And when you look at Juneteenth, you may say, well, I don't understand that holiday, or I don't understand this. And I can say to you this. My brothers and sisters in Christ are celebrating their freedom from enslavement on this day. Praise Jesus. And we can celebrate their emancipation and our own on this day, today. Live as freed people, brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Amen.